0: Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer Podcast, brought to you by Rocket Agency. I'm your host, James Lawrence. Welcome back to the Smarter Marketer Podcast. I'm here today with Ryan Benici. Ryan, welcome back to the pod.
1: James, it's so nice to be here with you.
0: Very, very nice. Old friend. For yeah, those of you it's that, been a while. It has been a while. Well, Ryan was on one of the early episodes of the Smarter Marketer Podcast when I was... Um, beg borrowing and stealing guests of calling in old favors (laughs) so um but yeah we met also
1: like gosh it must have been like at least 10 years ago or something
0: yeah well i I know when it was because you were sitting next to me when we announced that i was having my child my first child who's now yes just turned 11 so that's exactly how long ago it was
1: oh oh my god okay yeah (laughs) it's wild
0: it is wild how quickly things move you did you definitely didn't have a child at that point. No. <laughs>
1: A three year old now, yeah. Wow.
0: Good good time. So for those listening who haven't listened to Ryan's first pod or haven't heard of Ryan, I'll just quickly introduce you, Ryan. In my view, one of Australia's leading marketing exports. So Ryan started his career in Sydney working at Microsoft. He moved to Salesforce in twenty thirteen, where he became head of marketing APAC, moved to HubSpot in twenty fifteen, where I think you became really well known in the Australian marketing community, went on to become head of marketing for the JPAC region. You then moved to HubSpot HQ in Boston in 2017, moved into a head of global marketing role where you're responsible for brand, PR, digital, and social. Your CV is insane. You, you're consistently ranking the Forbes world's most influential CMO list. You're currently CMO at GymPass, which is a Brooklyn-based $2 billion tech unicorn, possibly more. Now, welcome back to the pod. And I, what I wanted to talk today about was essentially just advice mm. for marketing graduates. So, for me it's people i
1: love this topic james yeah is like i'm super passionate about Well, that's this, why so... that's why I,
0: that's why i hit you yeah. up ryan because i know you are and we kind of touched totally. on it in the first episode but yeah. i think you're a brilliant marketer but you've also done incredibly well strategically making decisions in your career
1: hey marketing yourself as well right like i'm excited to delve
0: yeah it. totally so i think for me you could be at university in the last couple of years of a marketing degree or a comms degree, wanting to forge that mm-hmm. that career in marketing. Um, you could be a grad. You could be one or two years out, may or may not have f- found that first role. But uh, I think just career insights from yourself: what's worked, what hasn't worked, what you've seen other marketers do. Like Jim, pass. Like how many
1: marketers do you have in your team at the moment? Um, I lead a team of three hundred and fifty people. That's, um, yeah, and not all of them are marketers, though, but a, a good hundred.
0: 50 are yeah so just to give some perspective to you know your conversation like you've come across Mm -hmm. literally thousands of marketers right over the last 10 to 15 years and yeah
1: and I've definitely like been you know I've been a part of like one person marketing teams like five person 10 person 30 person so like I think sometimes like getting advice from folks that are just like managing huge teams it's like a very different skill set Anyways, I'm I'm excited to speak, like, more specifically to, like, those early days. Yeah, Um, totally. that that wasn't too, like, long ago for me. So it's still very top of mind. As I was thinking about this, I was like, wow, there were lots of little things that I haven't, like, thought about that I did or didn't do. But I was, like, I was pretty deliberate about it.
0: Hence wanting to get you on because I I think you have done a great job of strategically making the right decision at the right times. And I think it's really hard. I think it's hard to know when to... When to keep doing what you're doing? When to jump ship? When you know how to view your career in terms of different experience. So maybe let's just jump into your first couple of roles and yeah. you know how how you went about it. And I think just advice on getting that first role. It's kind of a broad question. Yeah.
1: But... So maybe like just to start, like I was like one of those like weird kids that again like just knew they wanted to be a CMO when I was like eight or 10 or something like that. I, I really have no idea why, because I didn't know anyone in marketing, no one in my family did that. But for me, what the journey looked like kind of like in the first few years. So I graduated high school in 2006, started university at Sydney Uni in 2007. I did like a bachelor of com liberal. So I was doing marketing, psychology, international business, It was a really good combo of things that I really liked. Psych to me was fascinating, but also paired really nicely with marketing. Um, and then international business is really relevant too i did one year of it and i kind of burnt out to be honest like i'd worked really hard at school got really good grades and then year one of uni, i was like i'm done i need a break yeah during the holidays applied for a job at Qantas, got a job with them as an international flight attendant did that for two years full-time saved up money bought a house etc and like it was always a short-term thing And then like after two years, I was kind of like, okay, like I need to get back to university. And so I transitioned to being part-time at Qantas. And then I went back to, I think I was full-time at UCID again. During this period, it's a bit of a blur, but I transferred to London School of Economics because they had a remote program that you could do, which UCid didn't have a remote program. And so I started, I did one semester at London School of Economics. And then I struggled to do that while flying. It was hard. I didn't. In person, so transferred back to UCID. And then I think I did like my second year at UCID. And then I worked with the counselors at the university who I like kind of help you find grad jobs, like internships and things like that. And I did an internship with um, Hutchison Wampoa, um, which I think owned Vodafone or does own Vodafone at yeah. the time, just for again, like a week or something. It was an interesting experience anyway microsoft then was hiring they were doing a their pre-grad program at microsoft they brought in i don't know a few hundred folks um there for a full day of kind of like group style interviews and then it kind of kept getting small and small and eventually they chose i think half a dozen or eight of us or something like that actually you know what sorry before that even i got a job at the cool hunter um mm. so like i I'd finished i was still flying a little bit but i was like mainly doing university. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, too, is it's like you can apply for jobs that don't exist. So, like, I was really passionate about The Cool Hunter. It was a blog run by this really you know innovative, creative guy called Bill based in Melbourne. Huge international audience. It was the coolhunter.net still around now. And I loved it. And so I sent him a cold email. I literally was like, look, love your site. I have some advice for you though. I think you could do some things better. And I told him that over email. I was like, I think you could do these things better in your marketing. You're not really doing e-commerce, blah, blah, blah. Got his interest? We met, had coffee. And then I joined him as an intern and started interning with him a few days a week. And so that was like my first real job. It wasn't paid as far as I recall. Mm. But again, it was like me able to get hands on. I think that's one of the hardest things as, as like a grad or even just pre-grad is, yeah, you know all this stuff theoretically, but the theory is kind of useless if I'm completely honest. Yeah. Like, it sets, like, a foundation up, but I don't think I've used the found. I don't think I've used any, like, hard skill that I learned in in the marketing part of university ever, really. Yeah. Rather, right? the four Ps of marketing, like, that's just kind of, you learn things so th- theoretically, and the practical part of marketing is very different. So, started working the corners up. Anyways, then that then I kind of got that job at Microsoft. And
0: do you think that helped you yeah. get the job at Microsoft? Like, do you think having had practical yeah, experience on your CV? I, it so did, you save I a, it um... did
1: maybe. I mean, I was, I think at that point in time I was getting pretty good grades in marketing. I think, and, and maybe that helped that helped me get into the interview at Microsoft. And then to be honest, I think like when it comes to hiring grads or pre-grads, they don't have experience, right? So it's really you can't question what they've done you can only really ask them questions to assess their potential hmm. so how do they think about things how do they connect with others are they inquisitive and uh, so i'm sure the cool hunter played a part in that for me but i've always been pretty good at like selling myself in those kinds of environments and again to me that's just like social skills like when you're in, this, when a, in a group interview style format right and being able to think quickly on your feet and because, again, they're not really asking you marketing questions. It's yeah. really more about how you relate it to people. Because
0: but... it's really such a chicken and the egg type thing, right, in this space. It's how do you get that first role? It's like, well, you haven't got the first role, so it's harder to get it. And definitely mm-hmm. we when we're hiring at this kind of level, it really helps if someone's got some practical experience, like working in an office, yeah. having had to kind of operate in yeah. that environment, have made some changes to a, you know, through a CMS or of looked into analytics or yeah. some, something like that versus yeah. so working at a pub a really good or... Yeah,
1: point there that one thing that I look for when I'm hiring folks, right, like especially if they're more junior, is have they grown something before, right? So to your point, like have they grown a social media account or a blog or like are they showing like interest using tools and playing with things that are like relevant to marketing i think that's always really interesting to me yeah when i'm hiring social media marketers even i'm more likely to like look at people that are actually out there creating social content that is engaging people yeah really funny i actually started following this woman today on on instagram she's hilarious i don't know where she lives in the world somewhere in the u.s She sent me a dm straight after and she's like oh my god i applied for a role at like gym pass and i didn't get it and i was like wait hold up like Hmm. we would totally hire you here's my email address reach out to me like i people that have done something and to your point it doesn't have to be a job you can just start marketing a product create content like create a podcast like all of these things showcase passion they showcase kind of like taking initiative and And then, you know, if you can articulate and speak to how did you decide what topics you wanted to create content around and how do you think of the analytics of the podcast, what channels drive more listenership? Like, that's all marketing.
0: Yeah. And I was kind of thinking just getting that, like similar to you, getting that cool under role, whether, you know, and hopefully it is paid. I'm a big, big believer in that. But yeah, thinking now to... Stuff we've hired at that space. Like, yeah, mm. one guy in on our team had a, quite a significant TikTok following and spoke heavily to that yeah. in our kind of in that recruitment round. Yeah. And we're like, Yeah, it shows yeah. that you understand. It, and it space. could it
1: could even it could even just be like them critiquing your brand, right? Mm. Like what you could do differently. And I, I think it's funny. I think sometimes like candidates don't realize that like your job, if you're gonna come and join my company and my team. Like your job is to make it better right so like i don't want you to tell me all the things that are great about my marketing like i i probably already know that hmm. like tell me the things that could be better my approach when i'm like interviewing for roles and then maybe it's probably less in this niche specifically right now but a little bit will be like here are all the things that i'm noticing that i think you could be doing better there's like opportunity here like you don't have like a hovering call to action on your landing page there's too many call to actions on your landing page like all of those things like you don't need to like have experience to kind of go and read about conversion rate optimization of a website and then apply what you learn to the person company service that you're applying for to show that skill set
0: any other advice in terms of how to get that first role like what are you looking for in a cv what are you looking for in in a group i
1: don't think there's like any right way to get it right like there's a lot of different ways you know, I think we talked about the idea of like, if you can't market yourself, like how will you market their product or service, right? So like for me, for example, I had a really beautiful resume that I built. I think I went to the internet, looked for inspiration. And I remember it was like a a two pager and it was like red, cool fonts. It was really slick. Like even now when I open it up, I'm like, damn, that was a good resume. (laughs) Like I obviously don't, I don't really, resumes, I don't feel like you are used these days like or maybe as you get more senior it's more just like your LinkedIn profile but I think you know for these kinds of roles they still are and so it was a really slick resume that caught people's attention right that's literally marketing's job catch someone's attention be memorable That is marketing 101 and so like I wanted me to be memorable you know my questions to be memorable I want to be my resume to be memorable in today's world you know you need to think about your social media profiles too right like yeah you could be the person that like completely makes everything private, which will not hurt you, but it won't help you at all, right? Or you could choose to be the person that's fully public, but actually has curated a really interesting content, audience, angle, opinion, thought. Do you choose, like, and depending on who you are as a person, whether you whether that is going to be one of your superpowers or yeah. maybe it's something else is your superpower, right?
0: Yeah, and in terms of the social media profiles, I think you need to assume that a prospective employer will absolutely look at your Instagram, your Facebook. So if there's content on there, which is likely to deter someone, then just be mm. mindful of that fact. Would you agree with that, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, for sure. I, to me though, that's like the downside of it, right? Like I'm yeah. thinking more like the upside yeah, for sure. of it. Yeah. Like you can use it to your advantage. You can again, also, differentiate from everyone else that's gone private you could actually be unique but that also could hurt you depending on the company that you're applying for right so it's personalizing and knowing who your audience is yeah
0: and i think we're assuming you've got a, a good linkedin page good good professional photograph fleshing yeah. it out. and it doesn't
1: have to be like super professional like as in like a, like done by a professional no, but yeah. yeah like something that shows some personality and I think as well, though, like when it comes to reaching out, like whether you're like responding to a job ad or reaching out kind of cold, like I did with the cool answer, you need to personalize your message, right? So I remember a period in time when I was, you know, maybe a grad. I remember applying with the same resume to everyone and I remember it not working for a period of time. I was, you know, we say in like in email marketing terms, it's like spraying and praying, right? I'm just going to spray messages, emails everywhere and like pray someone engages. Like verses, it probably takes you as long to do that as it would to take and write write five really good hmm. cover letters or cold emails to people that are really relevant to um the role and really show your passion and why you're the right fit, right? And And if you're not the right fit, then you know, then maybe keep looking and find ones where you are the right fit. Um, I think that's huge, right? If you're a graduate and you don't have a whole lot of experience, showcasing how passionate you are is key. Like I remember someone who applied for a job at, at HubSpot for me once like created a website. I think he like, created a website. It was like, hu- the, the, there's someone that did this in Boston that I'd heard about. And then there was also someone in Sydney who did this. Like, mm. And I can't remember if I'm getting the two stories confused, but one of them created a website that was like hiremehubspot.com. And another one, which I think was the Australian one, did something where I think that they might have like run paid media ads yeah, on saw, my name yeah. and told me to Google it or something. I yeah. Googled it, it, took me to a landing page yeah. or something like that. I can't really remember. It was a while ago, but I remember being, and I, and I hired that person. I was like, fuck, like, look at that. Taking initiative, using marketing, paid media, like landing pages, like, hell yeah. Hire you. And there's so much I think you can do there. To get those bigger roles, like the bigger company logos, I think it definitely helps. Like either you need really, really good grades, I think, to just get in the door, or you need to have some like other experiences that maybe credential you so that you can kind of like earn the respect to to go into one of those companies.
0: I think it's a it's a really good perspective because Rocket's a smaller business, right? And we but we'll get 100 to 150 applications for this type of role, right? If we're looking at, at a grad role in production or client mm-hmm. services or something like that. So the idea that you can send off a generic cover letter unless you're exceptional yes, or an exceptional fit, No, exactly. Just, but even, no even then
1: though, James, I reckon it's hard to show that exceptionality quickly right in a resume. And that's where I would say like, so like when I really care about someone, I really want to connect with someone, like I will Google their name I will YouTube their name. I will Spotify their name. I will find every piece of content that they've ever said. And I will listen to it, read it, watch it. Cause I'm like, if I'm going to meet you, if I'm applying for a job with with you, James, like I want to know like, who is James? Like what makes him tick? Do I even want to work for him? Is he a jerk or is he a really wise person? Hmm. Right? Like, Putting in that time up front, so valuable to decide if it is a good role in a good company and a good boss or or if it's not right for you, right? And I think it's like a difference between like researching and like being genuinely curious. For me, it's typically more like I am genuine. I'm like obsessively curious about people and everyone that knows me knows I will ask them very unusual questions, provocative questions. Like I don't really have a filter. Like getting to know a company or the people you're going to work with and then finding those mutual points of connection emphasis on authentically mutual points of connection then helps it all kind of progress
0: yeah and sitting on the other side of the table if you're ever applying at rocket i will ask that question it's and i'll come into an interview i'm busy i might have looked at the cv might not have but i'll always say what do you know Hmm. about rocket and because to me it shows yes. that someone is actually interested first of all in the role they're not just shopping around mm-hmm. they've actually taken the time to yeah read up about us look at who we've worked with the point before around here are some things you can do better like that's incredible right If it actually shows if i get this person into the team they're actually going to do that oh, the client, i can't tell
1: so. you how many people have applied i've interviewed over the years like I, I don't interview as many tactical folks these days because my team does that more so i would say but I can't describe how many folks I've interviewed where like you ask them, yeah, that question or they're applying for a content marketing role or something and they don't have a strong opinion on my blog or my podcast. And I'm like, are you serious? Like literally you're applying for this role. All of the stuff is out there. If you want like research for an interview, you're going to be the worst employee ever. 100%. Um, and I'll, I'll literally say, I won't say that to them in that way, but I'll literally say, hey, I'll obviously ask them more questions and like five, 10 minutes in, if I can tell it's not right, I'll just, I'll stop the interview. I'll like thank them for their time. I'll let them know like why we're not proceeding. And the response actually is always really positive, I think, because people are used to just kind of continuing the interview and then always getting a no versus being like, I'm actually telling you what you did wrong. And now you can learn from it for next time.
0: And it's better to have an opinion that might not be right because there is a tolerance at this level that you're a grad and you've never worked in environment Literally. before or you've only worked for six Tons months somewhere yeah. so have an opinion try to back it up you know with with data or yeah. with insights
1: but... my I, I like I mean, what's that saying it's like strong opinions held loosely right like so if i'm going to say something i like i'm passionate about it and i'm always open to new information to change my mind but you're, you're totally right like i want because like, that shows hunger it shows like totally. conviction it shows confidence, confidence yeah
0: that's it right i think that's really really good in terms of just that you're obviously um, big client side, I'm um, agency side, I think kind of such commonality there with kind of what we're looking for in, at, at that kind of, at that yeah. juncture. In terms of um, the most important skills for marketing graduates to develop, like, mm-hmm. I think it'd be good to talk around, let's pretend you've kind of got that first professional job, you're kind of in three days okay. a week in a marketing environment, or you're in five days a week in that first role post-graduation. Like aside from actually just doing your job in terms of becoming a better brand marketer or a better PPC person yeah, or yeah. whatever it is, like what, what should you be looking to develop in that, in that first kind of year or two?
1: If I start high level, I think like any role, any job, I think like you're really just doing two things. Like you're leading people and you're leading projects. Leading people doesn't necessarily need to mean you're like a leader, like a manager, but like you need to work with people. You need to get work done through people. And then like leading projects, right? Like how you get work done, how you, and, and both of those things in my mind drive like outcomes and results, which is what your boss cares about, yeah? And so, yeah, if you drive outcomes and you're a jerk, that won't last very long. And vice versa, if you're really kind and you never drive outcomes because you don't know how to lead projects and also no one will want to work with you. Yeah. Um, the high level, to me, it's like really about like people and like projects. And like the, pe- the project is kind of everything from the function of marketing or the role that you're doing to how you run that process to how you drive innovation, et cetera. So just, anyways, it's like setting like foundational, like thoughts in my mind. Eh? I think like specifically though, like if you want to get into like the role as opposed to like, let's leave people management to the side, maybe for yeah. now, cause this is like, I don't think this, these people will be in people management roles, Yeah, the highest level skills. I feel like you need to be a digital native. of marketing today is digital. And it's shifting more and more that way, maybe more than 90% even. So I just think like, you need to be a digital native, you need to live and breathe digital, you need to be on the platforms where consumers are, you need to use Google, you need to use Instagram, you need to use TikTok, because all of that will help you inform how you can then in the future, leverage those tools, right? And You start to notice commonalities on platforms. You'll start to see like a certain format of posts on LinkedIn that always trends, right? It's like the long form, like LinkedIn posts where there's like a space between every line. You have to click to show more. Like that works. It kind of games the algorithm because like starts with the provocative statement. The person wants to find where the story ends. They click show more. That tells the LinkedIn algorithm for more. So like, again, you need like if you're not on LinkedIn, you would never know that. Similarly on like Instagram Reels and TikTok, like there are certain formats of like green screen person talking with a, like a checklist behind them. And there's thousands of different formats that work, right? But if you're not like in the platforms and like living and breathing them, then I just don't think you'll ever be a great marketer mm-hmm. because even if you don't want to use it for yourself personally, at the end of the day, you're, you're going to be marketing to people and people are on those platforms platforms Um, even you know if you're a b2b company b2b content typically is harder to make work on social but if you create entertaining content for your audience right for hr like we don't create logical rational content on social media and youtube about like how to be good at creating job descriptions and you know what are the most important well-being benefit that's fine we have blog content around that but for us instagram tiktok it's more like humorous content for hrs like to kind of empathize with them and anyways so digital native i think the first one second one to me is like growth minded yeah so you need to just have a, a growth mindset thinking about growing something right so we talked a bit before about like have you grown a podcast have you grown a blog have you grown an email subscription have you grown a youtube channel did you grow donations for your local charity like it doesn't really matter point being is that like you have a mindset that's thinking about like incremental growth such an important skill set I think like the third one for me is like just you need to be someone that's like always learning I think that's so especially true in the marketing field there's some parts of marketing that like never change right like good storytelling good copywriting good branding like there are some like kind of foundational things But the problem is though that like the medium really dramatically impacts the message, Mm -hmm. yeah? And so, you know, in a cinema before a, a movie shows, people are in their seats, right? Like they can't leave at that point in time. So you have 30 seconds or longer maybe to communicate a story start to finish. On Instagram, you have maybe like one and a half seconds to three seconds to capture their attention before they scroll past yeah what of the message you fit at the start is so much more critical on those kinds of platforms so if you're not there you kind of can't really learn how to adjust those things so i think like being a forever learner like learning the foundations then understanding how to apply the foundations on the channel the medium etc is like so key and I'll often ask people, right, when I'm interviewing them, like, "What's one of the most recent books that, like, really made you think, or caught your attention, yeah. or that you really loved?" And I'm not looking for them to say a marketing book or anything like that. I'm gen- I'm genuinely curious at like what they are curious about. We
0: ask exactly the same question, yeah. and it's um, you just use the word, which is curious. What it's what something we're looking for in mm-hmm. in all people that work for us. We've got a you know a channel curiosity culture. It's something which. Mm-hmm. As an employer, we find it's not something we feel that we can really breed in people. It's something that people have or they don't have. Yeah. As you said, like a lot of the theoretical things that you might learn at university are often just not applied when you move into a professional context. And to succeed in marketing, you just have to have that mindset of, of curiosity and forever learning, right?
1: You totally do. And also, I think, sorry, I don't know if we touched on this, but just marketing as an industry is like evolving so quickly, right? There are new channels coming out every few months, every few quarters, like the policies and the laws around it are changing. But I'm not like a much bigger believer of like, yeah, go out there, find marketers that are like, practicing. they're actually doing the skill that you want to learn, read from them, listen to their podcasts, find a brand that you love, I, I always think, and then like, find the marketers behind the brand, search their name on Spotify and all the different platforms. And then, learn from them.
0: And then what about within a corporate environment or whether it be a small business or a big business managing I hate the term if it's being used in the wrong way but managing up managing you know with people within your own team being visible all of those more practical types of things like how do you set yourself up for career success right like how do you go from being the intern at the Cool Hunter to managing a team of 350 in New York you know?
1: To paint a picture like I was always very driven super curious like i i wasn't good at playing in a team when it came to marketing and work and and more just that like i was willing to put in extra hours sometimes when others wouldn't and so if you're the only one willing to do that then you kind of need to depend on yourself more and that worked really well for me as an ic i was able to drive great results and i think it's results ultimately that help you progress up the ladder right so if you're asked to deliver A, deliver A plus 20% or A times two. Like I was never happy with just delivering 100%. I always wanted to deliver deliver significantly above that. Um, Because to be honest, and this is something that when I'm interviewing candidates, I always ask them like, what is the metric that you need to crush to go to your boss and say, I deserve a raise? Hmm. So like I'll always ask that in an interview because if they don't know that metric, I'm like, woof, like you're not going to work well for me because like you need to know your metric if I ask you about it, you need to be able to deliver. But it's similarly, like I was would always know what metric mattered most to me and to my boss. And then I would always overachieve on that. And I would be very comfortable going into a conversation to say, hey, I just delivered 2x what my peers delivered um, in similar roles in other countries. I'm being paid less than them. Like I'd like to be paid the same as them, if not more. And I would I would get then receive that. So I kind of think the results piece was key. What I didn't realize until later, which is is ironic, but I think I was over indexing results and it wasn't until I was mid to late twenties where I realized where where an executive coach actually said to me, they were like, look, you need to be able to balance relationships Hmm. and results. Yeah. I had never thought of it in that way. And it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to manage relationships and like be a great team player, but I kind of, was very like self-centered and very like focused on driving results at all costs. And, you know, I think I like would sometimes rub people the wrong way. What did
0: you work on to get
1: better at the, at the people stuff? I mean, I think there was some like hard skills, like technical skills that just like I had never learned, you know, like I was started managing, I think I was managing a team of 15 When I was still in like third year uni, James, Mm. when I became a director at Salesforce, I had just graduated university. Like I was the youngest director at Salesforce. I don't think they knew I was still at university. Mm. I don't know how I managed to finish it at the time. You know, I got that job at Microsoft. Then as I started getting new jobs, I think I was doing like two credits or whatever it was a semester. like one or two subjects. It was Chaos trying to manage like full time jobs and that, but I eventually did. But
0: I think if you haven't worked in a professional environment, it's very easy to just go, Well, it's all about performance, but it's not right. Like, so much mm, of professional success comes yeah. from managing the relationships with your peers and, and your bosses. Totally, totally, you, don't work you know, it was
1: so. It was a few things. I think they taught me some like hard skills that I just hadn't learned around management, so like, I would tell people what to do versus build things together with them i was still kind of operating in like an ic mindset and my idea might have been great for example but like no one wants to be told everything to do right like they have a brain as well like have them use their brain and two brains are better than one kind of a thing right and so that's just like a very simple example i think the other really big thing for me too, James, was that I did a, a lot of, I've done so much therapy myself. My wife's like a clinical psychologist. We met at university. I really needed to like completely re-engineer the way I like interacted with people. I don't think people would have always realized it on the surface, but from being bullied as a young kid, was, I, I always kind of felt like the outcast. It was always like, me versus them, and and I I think I had some like incorrect beliefs in my mind around things, and so I think doing a lot of therapy, and I guess like coming to terms with myself, getting to better know myself, not being as hard on myself. Because if you're really hard on yourself, then you're typically even harder on yeah. others. Or yeah. yeah, it was a lot of different things, and I think also just time, right? Like you make mistakes, you learn from them, um, start to pattern match, like you start to see things. Where you're like, oh. I've been in this situation before. I remember like one time I went down the wrong path here. Like the right path is to do this. And I had such imposter syndrome. I felt such a need to prove myself because I was like, gosh, if I don't prove myself, like someone's going to realize that I'm not qualified. And I'm sure there were roles that I was in that I wasn't qualified for. And I think the net of it all was good. And I was happy with what I delivered for those companies. And that was all good. Like I've never ever been like let go for bad performance or anything like that, but I I do think that like knowing where I am now and how much more confident I am in mm. myself, more confident I am in like silence in a room, and so you you learn I think just for a lot of experience.
0: yeah, and I think that's that's totally fair. Now, in terms of what I wanted to talk about was because a lot of this has been about how if I'm a grad, how do I get that first role, and you know the the job is the prize and all that kind of stuff, but to flip it on its head. First of all, I'd like to discuss, like, what should a, a grad be looking at in terms of, like, what is a good role and what what are the traits or hallmarks of an opportunity that go, yeah, that's going to actually set you off in the right direction. And then second to that, I'd like to then discuss when do you look at that next role, whether it's internal or external, mm-hmm. or when do you, you know, I'm on a good thing here and I should stay. Yeah, like there's sure. Those two, two okay. areas.
1: The people you work with are so important right and so I think for me right like whether you're a grad or whether you're like a cmo you want to work with really smart people right I like I have been at places where I've been one of the smarter people in the rooms and I've been at places where I've been one of the least smart people in the rooms and I'll tell you like I would much prefer to be like one of the like rooms where like, I'm the least smart right if you're the smartest there like you're yeah, if you if you have an ego issue, like then that'll be great. You'll feel amazing all the time. That's not really my jam. No, I like want to be learning. What helps me thrive is like learning constantly, and so I always want to be around people with more experiences, different experiences, different points of view. So like I think just the people, and I think your boss is a really important part of that. And the, your, the team that you're on and the team that you interact with is important. The culture of the company is kind of also like interconnected with the people that work there, right? Like good people, smart people tend to work for good and smart cultures. So I think like there's like some kind of connectivity there. And I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to like, what are the, like, where are you at in your career? What are the skills that you need to get to the next job in your career? right? Right. I think it's as plain and simple as that. And so for me, like, if I think back to, you know, Microsoft is a good example. If I start there, right, like really credentialed brand name, everyone knows Microsoft. So, like, I was so lucky to have gotten a pre grad role with Microsoft because it it just like credentialed me and gave me credibility when I didn't have that, right? Like, in you know, to use marketing speak, like the halo effect, right? Microsoft good brand, I'm associated with Microsoft. I mustn't be a bad marketer if I you know yeah. got a job there. Um, so I think like that's like part of it and then it's like, yeah, what do you want to keep learning? Right. So, I mean, in your first role, I think there's just so much to learn. It's hard to like, know what specifically you want to learn. I think it's just, are you, you going to get new challenges? Are you going to learn different things? And if I think of like my transition from like Salesforce to HubSpot for me, what that was all about was I had worked for big companies, Microsoft, exact target, like Salesforce you know, I had like multi-million dollar marketing budgets, I would spend millions of dollars on events and I would drive tens of millions of dollars in revenue. So like, don't get me wrong, they were ROI positive, but like, I was kind of like, hmm, if I want to start my own company one day, which is what I wanted to do at some point in time back then, I don't know if that's still true today, but I was like, I'm not going to have tens of millions of dollars of marketing budget. Like I'm going to need to be really, uh, I'm going to need to be a scrappier marketer, like a more ROI centric marketer. And You know, lo and behold, like HubSpot was all about inbound, creating content, like, you know, attract people versus, you know, interrupt them. It just, it was exactly what I needed. And so that was sort of why I transitioned from like big enterprise selling to big companies to HubSpot where we sold to SMBs because I didn't have, I hadn't sold or marketed to that segment before. And then when I went from HubSpot, you know, I I moved internally from HubSpot running like regional marketing to then running brand, PR, social, and that was the softer side of marketing, right? Like, so when you run a region for a a software company or any kind of company, it's much more revenue centric, right? Like I was responsible for driving a revenue number for the sales team, which in my mind, to be honest, and I'm obviously biased because this was my part, but I think that is the best entry point in marketing is like, the closer you are to revenue. The closer you are to the core of the business, right? Because like revenue equals customers and the customers make or break a business. And Mm so being close to that helps you be close to decisions, be close to power, be close to budget. I had never had really like large scale global brand marketing experience, PR experience. So I, I had done those things at a regional level. And so my internal transition at HubSpot for me was all about how could I round out my skills because I knew next for me, like what I wanted in my path was a CMO role. Typically CMOs are either brand marketers, which I think is personally like the, again, some bias. I think that is like the weaker function in marketing, not to say brand isn't incredibly powerful, but brand ultimately drives revenue. Do you know what I mean? So I think it, being closer to revenue and understanding revenue then you can understand the levers that could drive revenue and brand drives long-term revenue, like advertising demand gen drives short-term revenue. And so I was kind of more on the shorter term revenue piece, but anyway,s you're either like brand or you're a demand marketer or some, there's a little bit of like a product marketing CMO too, but that's kind of more connected to brand than I would say like demand. And I knew I wanted to be a CMO, so I needed to round that out. And then I went to G2. And so for me, it was like, just what were the skills that I needed to I guess, yeah, have enough experience to make a CEO or, you know, if you're a grad, like to make the boss, the person you're going to work for, believe that you possess the passion, the grit, like the determination to do the role and to over-deliver. Yeah,
0: no. um,
1: I think that's even something maybe we didn't talk about, like from a like qualities or skills piece, but like around if you're someone that like doesn't give up and you like get frustrated if you don't know the answer and you won't stop until you work it out, like that can play in your favor in some ways. And then I think your other part was like, how long should you work for the, for yeah. the company? Like how long?
0: That's it. Because like I think the theme there is very much just become like, if you want to move up into kind of a a leadership type role more generally in marketing, then you need to kind of fill in the performance staff the brand staff and have exposure to both yeah yeah um,
1: and if- it's hard if not impossible to really do that at one company i think like I, i'm also anti that to be completely honest like if i think back to the microsoft days there are people that started with me like in the pre-grad program that are still there they're probably not higher than a director level now they've stayed safe they have played it safe i'm sure they've got good equity it's comfortable by moving externally you get more experiences faster but it's more it's less comfortable right like you're you're having to go out into your outside of your comfort zone and i think it depends how fast do you want to learn all the things to get to where you're going i was like wanting to learn really quickly i think like for me in a new role typically the first 6 months i feel like a beginner and then at, at the 6 month mark i tend to find that's when I start to kind of really excel I've like sucked up all the info I need from the team and it's like at the six month month part in a new role where I really start to like really drive forward and then elevate what the team or the company was doing before and typically for me at least like by the two three year mark is when I start to feel like cool like I've hit my goals several years in a row if you're if you're in management now maybe you've built a team that you were asked to do when you were joining because maybe a team didn't exist or maybe the team didn't have the right skills you need to you know retrain or rehire new people for me like i tend to try to like make myself replaceable right so like i want to make my team and the company where i'm at be in a place in a few years where like i don't need to be there Mm And that then helps me then feel good about going for new roles or at least like, you know, showing that company that I've delivered and then them saying, Hey, like what other roles can we give for you? And like, that was sort of what happened at HubSpot, right? Like, I reached that regional period in time where I had run regional marketing for a while. I wanted more that wasn't available for me regionally. And so they are like, okay, like we don't want to lose you. Come to HQ, like yeah. head up a global team.
0: And I think that's a very personal
1: personal choice isn't it It i think it's very personal yeah it really is and there's nothing wrong with like being someone that stays at a company for a long period of time like i think for some people that will be dreamy how Mm. comfortable you like think of the lifelong friends you get to make right i feel like i have lots of friends at lots of companies but i've not really been at any one company for more than like four years i think four has been like the max period i've been somewhere which i think by like today's standard that's pretty long but But it's not like, you know, you're sixteen years at a Microsoft, which like some people will do.
0: Yeah, that's it. And that's just because growth happens when you're uncomfortable, right? And the idea that you get thrown into Mm -hmm. a new environment, new challenges, new product to understand, new politics and people. And it does take that six months, right? To get to a point of wow, I actually kind of feel like I know what I'm doing now. And then you kind of you haven't mastered it at that point, but you're at a level of kind of being competent and it's um But yeah, I think that's a very personal choice because. Probably a lot of people, if they're in a culture where they feel safe and respected, then, but it definitely will, um, it'll stifle growth to some extent, right? It's almost by definition. Mm-hmm. Last area I'd like to get into, Ryan. Just in terms of like ongoing learning, once you're in that role, like just more practically, like what are some resources or an approach to learning that you, because I think we've, we probably both have a similar viewpoint there where, the university, how much of it actually helps us practically be great marketers. But mm. we've talked about curiosity. We've talked about growth. Like what are some, like how would, how do you go about continuing to keep your skills sharp?
1: To your point, like I, I'm not super pro courses or university. I, th- I think again, like if you have zero base foundation, then yeah, that's gonna be great, right? And you could get it for free online though, or you could pay for it and it'll be more structured. And I think each to their own there. Eh? If you're, you know, if we're talking here, really more sort of like grads and stuff, like folks who maybe already have a foundation, then I think it's more about like specialization to some degree, right? So, like, what are the like what are the key parts of marketing that you're going to be deeper in, right? Like, as a CMO, you kind of go deep everywhere, but not as deep as your team. There's a few pillars in marketing where I can go as deep as my team. For the other ones, I need to be like moderately deep, but hire people with deeper expertise what are those like pillars that you really want to excel in and be the best at and i think that really is dependent on on the year actually to some degree like there are some pillars that like are forever i don't think this is a great pillar to necessarily make your own or like brand i think branding is going to be something that's there forever like copywriting being a good writer that's going to be something that's there forever do you want to be like really strong at how to build audience on social or do you want to be really strong at how to drive traffic through search? Or do you want to be a, a, a fucking master at paid media mm-hmm. and multivariate testing and running crazy, like, you know, paid campaigns that drive, you know, really good return on ad spend. So I think kind of working out, like what parts of marketing are you interested in? I think that comes down to like, who are you? Are you like a numbers person, a creative? I think you need to kind of understand that. And then I would say, like go and find people that excel in those spaces there's a few different marketers that I follow on like their podcasts that they create or their um, like, there's an Australian guy. I forget his name. Um, I follow him on Instagram and I think I have him set as my favorite. I think his name's Dane Walker. Do you mm-hmm. know this person no. or know of him? No. I'll look really? Him up. I think he's, a, I'm pretty sure he's Australian. His Instagram page is all about branding, marketing. I'll send you the link afterwards. Um, I think it's D A I N Walker, if I recall and i think i've dm with him here and there because he creates the most he creates beautiful slideshows on instagram and he will teach you about a concept Hmm. that might be about like why a rebrand went wrong and it'll be like 10 instagram album like slides and just really simple messaging he's beautiful branding really simple messaging like he's great so it's like find those people Hmm. and follow them and like learn from them listen to them there's so many great people out there and i think. one of the best ways to find those people is sometimes to look at those like lists of top marketers i i I think like once you're getting into like the forbes sort of like world those folks aren't gonna be very technical so i don't think you're gonna learn very technical skills from those people like they're excelling because they're they're good at like driving transformational change at their company which is like all about people and driving risk and process and like that's more of maybe what i do today than like Than old me, so HubSpot's you know was a good breeding ground of really talented marketers. Like, if you want to learn sales, like Salesforce is a good place to like look at sales reps at Salesforce and what they talk about on content, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think you kind of need to go to like different social networks, different communities, follow some of the topics that you care about, and see who is writing about those things. What are other people sharing content for? And you'll start to see names appear over and over and I think that can be a nice way to start to kind of like learn. And then you might have an idea that relates to something that you saw. You reach out to that person in the DMs, you build a relationship and, you know, you all start to like learn from each other and putting your own perspective and voice out there can be another way to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Like for you to be able to articulate like maybe what you're learning or that can be a nice way to learn, but also build your brand as well at the same time.
0: Yeah. But, nothing, yeah. nothing helps you better formulate your opinion than being forced to actually put it out there in the public domain. Right.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, cool. for
0: sure. Well, mate, thank you. You've been so generous with your time again today. Um, thanks a lot for coming back onto the pod. And I think any... nice to chat. That's yeah, always likewise, mate. And any grad, Someone in their career around that level, I think, that listens to today, I'd like to think you. There's a few things there that you can take away and practically kind of implement into your professional strategy. So, Ryan, thanks for coming back onto the pod. Thanks for listening to the Smarter Marketer podcast. Stay up to date about new episodes on LinkedIn and Instagram by searching for Smarter Marketer podcast. You can purchase your own copy of Smarter Marketer via the Amazon website. And if you want a second opinion about your business's approach to digital marketing, send me an email, jamesl at rocketagency.com.au or visit the rocketagency.com.au website. Thanks for your time.